to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. We got the full Spooky crew here tonight. The silent assassin Matt Costa is here. Science advisor Matt Moniz and Stephanie Burke is here. We are all together again. It's been a while. I think since the 10th anniversary show, I think, since we were all in here together. Right. Correct. And uh, we are broadcasting live here on WBSM as well as on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com as well as on SpookyTV.com. So you have two websites you can go to. They just all lead to the same place. But if you want to watch the show while you listen, we have the webcam set up all over. And we have uh, the switching program so we can go to multiple shots. And you can see our guest James Anito is here in the studio with us. And we're going to be talking with him a little while, in a little while uh, about his career and his work as a demonologist. And we'll take your calls as well throughout the course of the program at 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420, and those numbers are up on SpookySouthCoast.com. So during the show, if you ever, uh, you know, you want to call in, you can't remember the number, you didn't write it down, just go right to SpookySouthCoast.com, and you'll find them right there. We also have relatively new technology here. You can text us during the show at 67664. If you type that into your phone, into the you know, the, the number that you want to send the message to, type in 67664, and then you can send your message to us. The only catch is you have to start your message with the letters WBSM, so it filters into us. You know, there's this gigantic corporation that handles all these incoming texts for the different radio stations, and you have to put WBSM at the beginning of your text, and it'll filter into us here in the station. And, of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter as well. You can find us at SpookySC, but we also talk about the show throughout the course of the night on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. So if you're tweeting from your own account and you have something you want to say, just use the hashtag SpookyLive. And not only will we be able to see it here, but it will show up on the Spooky TV feed as well. So there you go. It's, it's really interactive. It, the show pretty much takes care of itself. Good night, everybody. See you next week. <laughs> no, really, but uh, we just want to make it as interactive uh, as we can. And speaking of interactive, it's been pretty. It's been about a year now because I was watching the original Q and A video with the inventor uh, the the other day on YouTube. So it's been about a year now since the Ghost Arc device was originally announced. This all-in-one tool for paranormal investigators, supposed to make it so that you only had to carry around and and in case if you're like me. Remember to charge one device before going on an investigation. And, of course, when it all started, when it was announced, I had reached out to them, and they had said that they wanted me to be one of the beta testers for when it first came out, and that they wanted me to kind of be one of the forerunners of using it in the field and letting people know the good and the bad. Well, it took a little while to get my ghost arc. But I got word, for, I got word like a month ago that it was going to be shipped. And this was at the time when a lot of people were getting their ghost darks already, and they were complaining a little bit because they were coming from China. They felt like they were poorly made. They were falling apart on people. They were having problems. Some of them weren't recognizing memory cards. Some of them weren't powering up at all. Uh, some of them had buttons that were falling off and knobs that were falling off. And basically what had happened is, at least from, from what I can gather, the company that was producing them in China was just producing them and shipping them out. There was no QC testing done on them. Uh, they were not going back to the Ghost Ark people to check to be checked over before they were shipped out. They were just shipping out direct from the factory in China, and they were just rushing them out because they had Chinese New Year coming, which, if you're not familiar with Chinese New Year, 
yeah, we say it's you know one day here in the United States, but they celebrate it for two weeks. So that meant that the business that was producing these shut down completely. So they were in a rush to try to fill X amount of orders that they needed to fill for whatever requirement there was before Chinese New Year. And now they're actually taking back those original models that they shipped out. And you can contact Ghost Ark if you got one of those and you're having issues, and they'll send it. They'll send out a replacement to you. But they're producing those replacements for people, and then once they get all those caught up, they'll have the new model. You know, the 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 rest of the models coming out to people. Uh, that's the information that I've been provided with. And so, uh, about a month ago, I got the information in my email that a tracking order had been created through DHL. And then last week, or maybe two weeks ago. It was actually, the device was finally ready and brought to DHL for shipping to me. That was on a Wednesday. I was supposed to get it on the Friday of that week. So it was coming from Italy, from Massimo's workshop, from his from his home base in Italy. It was coming from there, and it was supposed to get from Italy to my door in three days, which I thought might have been kind of iffy. But, hey, I don't know that much about international shipping, so I was like, okay. And so I made arrangements with DHL to be there because somebody had to sign for it. And I canceled my plans for the day, and I waited, and it didn't come. So when I contacted them, they said, well, you know, we, we haven't received it yet. It, it hasn't made it into it. Like all these issues that they were having, but it was on their end. You know, at this point, it had already been put into DHL's hands in Italy, and we, we were waiting to get it through. Well, the problem was it had to clear customs at JFK in New York. And then when it came back to Boston, it was supposed to go to Warwick, but I got the tracking info saying it went to Boston, and it got all kinds of confused on DHL's end. So now I was told it was coming on Friday. I called Friday. They said it's not going to be there Friday. It'll be there first thing Monday. So I made similar plans on Monday. On Monday, no ghost arc. So I called DHL, and they said it'll be there by the end of the day. I said, okay, fine. So I'm waiting. And so I actually had made two calls to DHL during the course of the day because I'm trying to find out, can I leave? Can I go do these other things I have to do? And so long story short, I got told two different stories and basically three different falsehoods from DHL over the course of the day or these couple of days. So I tweeted out in anger, you know, DHL is the worst. And I, I, I sent out a tweet saying, you know, that I was lied to from them. And I mean, within seconds, DHL is tweeting me back. I'm getting emails from them saying, you know, what can we do to fix this? What's going on? Let us know. Uh, you know, both their customer support. And then within an hour of that happening, I got a phone call from the manager, the branch manager of the Warwick DHL, who called me and said, yes, we have it here. It's here. I don't know why you were being told it was in Boston. We have it here. If you can make it here in the next hour, you can have it. We'll, we'll stay. We'll wait for you. And I said, well, I, I can't make it there tonight. She said, I guarantee you it will be dropped off at your house tomorrow. And I made, even I made arrangements with them so I didn't have to be there to sign for it and all that. So, DHL, I commend you on being just awesome. You know, I'm sorry that it took me complaining about you on social media for it to happen, but they, they were, just from that point on, they were amazing. And they made sure that everything was on the up and up. I got a text. I got a phone call from the branch manager when it was dropped off. I got an email from the help desk guy. Everybody told me, you know, everybody was on board with this. So long story short, here it is. And uh, we on my close-up cam, Matt. The Ghost Ark has finally arrived. And I did an unboxing video on Spooky South Coast YouTube channel. So if you want to check that out, you can go to that uh, and you can see for yourself. But... I, I kind of went over some of the functionalities on that, and I went over some of the functionalities with the gang here before we went on the air. So I'm not going to bore everybody with that. 
in terms of doing that. You can watch that video if you want to check it out for yourself. And numerous other people who have Ghost Arcs already have put up similar videos. But you can see, you know, you have the data. This is great radio, by the way, for people that aren't watching on Spooky TV. You have the ghost box mode, you have the EVP mode, and you have your opportunity to make a sound trap out of some of the pre-recorded sounds that you can put in there. And it comes with white noise automatically installed. So all this stuff here, all this functionality, I went over it with everybody before the show, and I just kind of want to just go around the table and ask uh, kind of impressions about it. I know, Stephanie, you haven't really had a chance to see right. it, but if you want to play around with it, feel free. Uh, Matt, I know you were setting up everything, but... You know, one of the things that I was most concerned with is I knew you would be very, you know, you, you'd put it under a lot of scrutiny just on how it's put together. Because you're a guy that, when I need something taken apart and put back together, you're the guy that does it for me. Well, the, the thing is with the, um, the anything that you combine so many elements, so many um, kind of uh, features, there's going to be some compatibility issues with... Um, uh, the different fun- functionalities. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had a chance to really play play around with it yet. After the show, I'm probably we're probably gonna have a some well, fun time. Well, we can pass around, it on the but, table throughout the show too. Feel free to play um, with it during the show. But I mean, uh, with all all those things combined, there could be some interference from other sensors. Some sensors might. And that was one of the concerns they had originally. That's what was one of the holdups of production, is that the the digital LCD screen, the frequency that the screen runs on was within the radio spectrum. Right. So when they were doing the FM sweep on the ghost bo- on the uh, ghost box function, it would always buzz when it hit that functionality. So when it hit that that frequency, so you would just be listening and it would always be like at every single interval for that. So they had to change that. They had to put better shielding on that, and they've put so much shielding on some of this that it actually takes, it actually might take a little bit too much to influence the sensors on it, hmm. because you know I'm finding that it's not as sensitive as a K2, it's not as sensitive as a millimeter, and some people are saying that's great, that's awesome, that could be a good thing. But the other aspect of that is how much, if we are investigating, you know, ghosts with these, we are detecting spirits or entities with these, how much energy can they actually put out in order to be detected? Or is it going to be enough to make a difference over this? So, you know, at Moniz, as you know, working as a scientist, you know, sometimes it's possible to kind of insulate yourself so much from any type of variables that just regular nature can't take its course anymore. Correct. That and a lot of times, some of that's by design. You know, your controls as you want, isolated from everything else as your baseline and stuff like that. But a lot of times when you start doing certain experiments, you get that tunnel vision and you start blocking out other things. And, well, electronics are electronics, so those work on very solid principles. We know what happens with those. And, and we were discussing beforehand how a lot of the... The way the way the people investigate is going to take a, a big role in how this works because depending on where you put your hand, you could hit a certain button, you could cover a certain sensor. So people have to be aware of the way that they're utilizing this device. And it must drive you crazy as a scientist to see sometimes when you put thousands of dollars worth of equipment in people's hands uh, because, you know, they saw it on TV and they want to have right. it, and they go to use it and they don't know how to use it correctly. Well, bear in mind a lot of the stuff that, we're using in ghost hunting is repurposed application of other material. So you're already doing something out of its normal scope, so to speak, to start with. So, like even this, you know, supposedly the first 
tool created just for ghost hunters, you know, that's you know, just for paranormal investigators, but it's still not. I mean, it's still combining known abilities of other devices just into one. Right. So we're still dependent on these theories that we're putting out there of spirits being able to manipulate these types of things that we're picking up with this. See, what gets me is people are not understanding what the equipment actually is for. Everybody thinks it's, you know, it's to prove this and that. No, all of the equipment is, at least what we're doing here in terms of ghost hunting, is just for extension of your own senses. Your The recorder is recording in frequencies that your ears don't normally hear at, so you're scanning in that. You're You're using... You know, a thermometer to act like your skin and galvanic response. It's measuring temperature, you, you know. And there, when you're using cameras and IRs, it's seeing into f- frequencies of light that your eyes don't. You know, you're, you're just augmenting your senses with, with equipment. You know, that there are ion sensors, you know, that act like what, what your nose does. And if you're chasing a ghost, you got issues, but, you know. <laughs> but, but I'm saying all it is is that the equipment is just extension of your natural senses to record or, or, or alert you to things that what your senses can't pick up. And, and James, uh, you know, we mentioned before the show that you were a little bit skeptical of the ghost arc and, and how it would all work. But as we were going through it, you know, you were at least impressed with the craftsmanship of how they put it together. I definitely am. You know, I think that how it's put together is a masterpiece. It's it's an interesting idea that nobody else has done before. But the thing is, though, is why I'm skeptical about it is because there's certain pieces of equipment in it that I do not agree with uh, that I've, you know, I have used, such as the ghost box. But, you know, I haven't seen enough evidence for it to be an actual tool for paranormal investigation to talk to an entity or a spirit or a ghost or whichever you like, whatever you like to call them. You know, I don't agree with it so it's just my opinion of course but the ghost arc as a tool together is interesting would i be able to use it in the field i would probably try you know i would i would try it out because i'm not a person against trying something new but as of now i'm still skeptical about it oh understandable and i and like i said i haven't actually had the chance to use it on an investigation i've only kind of used it around the house which by the way is what you probably should do with any piece of equipment that you pick up you should get to know it first don't make the first time that you ever use it you know the time the one time that you get to go into the amityville house (laughs) you know that's not the time to be figuring out a new piece of equipment you got to be ready to hit the ground running uh speaking of which speaking of seeing it for the first time stephanie you just start in person for the first time and and just for a few minutes i mean just any thoughts on the design, on being able to, to hold it and utilize it in an investigation? Um, it's like an old Game Boy. Um, yeah. I think the Game Boy was made of better plastic. Well, <laughs> listen, this is tested by Massimo. It's better quality than the ones that were coming out from, I, I'm just, from people at the beginning. I'm just, you my opinion. I wasn't I saying anything bad. It, it, it is, I got to say, it, it, I thought you would probably pick up on this first. I figured if anybody was going to, it would be you. Everything's off kilter a little bit. Yep. Um, but I think that can be adjusted. I think it can be adjusted, though. If you look at the framework of the, the exterior plastic, mm-hmm. I think it can be adjusted if need be. 
Um, but it doesn't bother me that much while I'm utilizing it. I mean, I don't know. I'm different than all you guys anyways. You know that. So I'd rather just have a recorder in my pocket, which I'm never going to listen to. If you guys know me, you've known me forever. I, I run a recorder, and then I just go home, and I shut it off. I never listen back to anything that's on it. I don't have the time for that. I don't have the attention span for it. So um, I'm obviously different where I'm using myself rather than equipment. Right. I don't have time for equipment. People have put equipment in my hand. I put it in my pocket, and people start freaking out. The lights are going off in your pocket. Oh, okay. Cool. And I forgot it was there. So I'm not the best equipment person. Yes, I know my equipment. I know the science behind it, everything else like that. I just don't personally like to use it. But um, it's pretty. Like being, It looks good. Being a, a spirit medium, being psychic, having <laughs> these abilities, and, and having the ability to kind of tap in and tune into energies. Right. Are you picking up anything that it's throwing off that would be any kind of a hindrance on an investigation? I mean, are you picking up anything from it that would make you say, when you bring this in, this is going to give people false positives in, in other ways? I think, um, well, the plastic's falling out a little bit on that side. Do you see that? Don't, don't, be, don't, don't push it too much. I'm not. I'm just trying to make <laughs> it go back in. I'm just kidding. Um, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Um, I think the, the thing that would throw me off um, just, I mean, it does so many different things. So flipping through each thing, to be honest, unless you really know what you're doing, I don't think people are really going to know what to do with themselves at first. I, I hope it comes with a manual. The, the instructions are very limited. It comes with two sheets of printed instructions. Uh, there is going to be a comprehensive manual posted online that well, people who purchase it will have access to. Uh, you'll be able to download it, and they're going to send it to you in an email. The, in terms of what they give you, they kind of just give you the basics to hit the ground running. I don't know what, why there's a holdup for that. I would have probably been doing that as right. I was developing the device. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, but that just seems to be what's uh, what's going on. I have a quick question. Can you run multiple applications at the same time? Yes, actually, when you're running yeah, the running. when you're running the uh, EVP function or yeah. the ghost box function, you're still getting all the data at the same time. That's cool. on screen. So you're you're Which still is awesome if it's accurate. Yeah, and you're still seeing any kind of uh, you know light, uh, EMF changes at the lights at the top. Yep. And in addition to temperature changes uh, with the actual readout. There's a little button at the bottom that says plus or minus temperature that will actually light up if the temperature changes. That's pretty interesting. That's like that's one light. of my big hesitations because, you know, I could hold a recorder and EMF or a K2 meter at the same time and do my sweep. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was wondering. That, that's pretty cool then. And then, of course, you can take all that data and you can upload it to your computer and store it there. Uh, it does come with Which memory nice. cards. And then eventually they'll have the database built, the app built, where you'll just connect it and you'll be able to upload it, and then everybody will be able to access that for each location that you go to. That's a really nice idea. I mean, I hope it works. I hope it's great. Um, there's just a lot going on, and like I said, if you don't know what you're looking for, then... I'll say this. Coming with limited instructions yep. and just having a rudimentary idea of what the functionalities of it should be, I think it took me maybe 20 minutes to really kind Not of bad. figure everything out. So that's, you know, it, it, you can put that in somebody's hand in one night, and they'll mm-hmm. be ready to go. They'll understand how it works in the course of one night. With with maybe, you know, 10 minutes' worth of instruction, they'll be ready to go. You think, like, beginners? Absolutely. Like, never touched I think that people button. who come to our Legend Trips event May mm-hmm. 21st at Edaville yep. and get the chance to use this for the first time will be able to master it in the time that they're using it. Uh, they'll 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 be able to uh, have a handle on how to record, mm-hmm. how to play back, you know, how to upload yeah, it, how to do all that part. stuff. So, the EVP part is the easy part. 
I think, like, I mean, how many people really know what EMF is, to be honest, and, like, how to read it and things like that? So stuff like that can look confusing to anybody. Well, the good thing is it's if digital. you can't understand the numbers, you still get the exactly. pretty lights at the top. The I'd say lights. it's more of a tool. And actually, like, the lights aren't just, like, the boring red, green, yellow. Mm, that's true. Yeah, It's got, like, purple and blue and everything else on there, so that makes it really interesting. So... You will be able to utilize this at Edaville on May 21st. I can't believe this. We are running out of tickets really fast for this. That's awesome. It's almost completely sold out. Well, I mean, we're, we put a lot of tickets on sale for this thing, and, you know, we, we were thinking we might be optimistic, but now we're going to have to make even more available. So it's going to be a great night. It's going to be, and there's plenty of room at Edaville. So even though we're selling yeah. a good amount of tickets, yeah. you're still going to have small, intimate groups. Uh, and there's going to be all kinds of places to be able to, to walk around and, and have some privacy in your investigation. And you will have the chance to use the ghost dock provided it keeps working from between now and then. I hope so. I, I, it should. I mean, I have, mine's giving me no problems yet. But uh, we'll be able to utilize that as well as whatever other cutting-edge equipment that we have. Uh, again, it's happening May 21st. Tickets are available at legendtrips.com. And we, listen, we've sold enough tickets right now. I can guarantee you we're taking the train ride that night. Oh, that's right, so, the train. Cool. I missed the train ride last time. You were late. That's fine. Um, I, I was late. Matt Costa and I got a little lost. Good reason for being late, though. I, yeah. Well, I don't know. You had to was... stop and use the restroom 45 times because... Is that what I was doing? I don't know. I don't remember. I'm assuming because that's what pregnant ladies do. I was eight months pregnant at Edaville. So... That's right. But this time... And it was you, a long walk. This time you will not be, so you'll be able to... Actually, yes. <laughs> let's let's definitely plan. Well, there's, there's no way you're going to be eight there's months still pregnant. Still time, but let's. I can plan. guarantee no. you, you will not be eight months pregnant. Right. I will not be eight. I months can pregnant. promise you that. So you will oh. not have to worry about running to the restroom fifty right. times when we're on that train ride. You won't be doing the pee pee dance nope. as we're running the first quarter mile. I think you weren't allowing me to take the train ride. It would have. You probably would have gone into labor <laughs> if that was the case. We were have, You would have been delivering your baby in a cranberry bog. Nope. It probably would have had to happen. Oh, my God. But anyway, so we will be able to take the train ride that night, and uh, we will have uh, just, you know, the usual Legend Trips fun in such a cool and unique location. But like I said, there's only a few tickets left. I mean, really, it's getting very limited. Uh, If a couple of big parties come, that's it. They're gone. So make sure you get on there and get those now. But also, if you're not on the mailing list, get on it right away because we're going to be announcing another small, very intimate event coming up uh, shortly before that. And we'll also have the ghost arc at this smaller event that's only going to be open to 20 tickets. It's going to be myself and Jeff Belanger and 20 people, and it's going to be very intimate. The ghost arc will be there, and you'll have the chance to utilize it. And uh, I can't really give you any information about that yet because we haven't even announced it yet for pre-sale. So get on legendtrips.com right now and sign up for the mailing list, and you will have your chance. And people have been asking me, I've been getting messages and emails, is the ghost arc coming on the cruise, the Strange Escapes cruise that I'll be part of uh, at the end of April, beginning of May? As far as I can tell, yes. I know this bad boy had trouble getting through customs at JFK. (laughs) So I'm hoping that I should be able to get it through flying down to New Orleans, I would think, right? does look like a bomb. Well, I mean... I don't know why. Well, customs is different, but you're not going overseas, so... Right, so I don't have to I go through that process. I would assume it would be the same as a tablet or a laptop. They just make you take it out and put it separately. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it should be fine. I mean, I know that uh, all of our friends who, who travel for the paranormal shows will tell you it's very hard to convince 
TSA exactly what it is that you're showing them. Guilty. I, I When I called the woman, <laughs> well, when the woman from DHL called me, she said to me, she's like, what is this that it's, you know, that it's such a problem? And I said, actually, it's just a, it's an electronic meter. And she's like, oh, really? Like, to measure what, if you don't mind my asking? <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not really sure. <laughs> the answer is ghosts, but you would have to ask me what I think a ghost is, and I can't get into all that with you right now. Uh, but if you want to come to our... Legend Trips events, be careful. <laughs> but I, I was telling her that it's, it's ghost hunting equipment. And so she was like, oh, well, that's very interesting. I don't think I've ever actually delivered that. And I was like, well, you probably have. You just didn't realize that's what it was. Uh, so anyway, so there's a couple of Legend Trips events coming up. You'll have the chance to use that if you haven't made the determination and if you want to buy one. And the other question I've been getting all week, yes, I will have it at Salem Con as well. So nice. we'll try it out there. I don't know where they're sticking me yet. Uh, on the investigations, but I'll make sure that I have it. I know last time I was in a basement with Scott Gruenwald for the <laughs> night, and I could not think of a better way to spend a night. It was actually a lot of fun. So. Scott's a good guy. It, and it was really hilarious, but when it came time to investigate, he was all business. So we'll have some fun uh, if we are paired up again this time around, but you know who knows what the, what the matchups are. And the other thing I can announce this week, I, I know what I'm talking about at Salem Con. My presentation, if I can ruin the surprise a little bit it's going to be called ghost uh, i'm sorry paranormal investigation why you're probably doing it wrong <laughs> that's good so we'll just leave it at that and you can kind of figure out where it goes because it goes both ways uh let me i'm talking about the lecture yeah the the things that i'll be talking about will be going both ways in both directions so you never know what to expect so uh definitely make sure that you come to salem con and check that out so uh, now let's get into the actual real discussion. Now that we've promoted our Legend Trips events, which I know drives at least one listener crazy, but we're still going to do it <laughs> because, okay. again, we've raised almost $30,000 to benefit these historic haunted locations. And uh, we've talked about the ghost arc. Uh, now we want to get into the heart of the discussion tonight with our guest, James Anito. And, and James, you actually have a good amount of experience for being a young guy. Yes, uh, 10 years, actually. I've been uh, investigating since 15 years old, and I'll be 26 this June. So, actually, I'll be almost 11 years that I've been in this paranormal field. So how does a 15-year-old get involved in this? Then? Well, you think about it. I'm out of Rhode Island, so when I was growing up, you know, a lot of my interests were into, like, Scooby-Doo, Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> watching Mattel Williams with Sylvia Brown on it. So it always fascinated me, especially I was fascinated into the idea of religion, you know, evolution. So I, I was one of those people that had the processing mind of trying to learn these things. So, you know, my big my big thing that got me in this field, of course, and I was not all those shows, but Ghost Hunters, when it appeared on television, you know, these guys are from Rhode Island. So I was like, me and a bunch of buddies got tape recorders, you know, flash lights and still cameras you know you have to develop them and we went out to you know cemeteries you know not to be how kids are these days and you know go rob a cemetery or kick a stone down we actually went down there to try to you know see if we can get some kind of communication so that's what kind of led me into where i'm at right now and it was uh it's been a long journey you know from going from just ghost hunting to paranormal investigating to being a tech manager to being you know now a demonologist uh it's definitely it's been a long road and you know i've had a had a lot of good opportunities to investigate a lot of places around the country and we'll discuss that road uh, throughout the course of the discussion tonight but I heard a, a, a comment recently from somebody. I was talking with somebody who is a, a paranormal investigator and is also a Patriots fan. <laughs> and th this person made a comment about how, you know, well, 
Ghost Hunters and Paranormal TV shows kind of ruined the field a little bit because once they came mm. out, you had all these people that wanted to suddenly become paranormal investigators because they saw somebody doing it mm-hmm. on TV. And I said, you know what? I used to kind of feel the same way a little bit, but let me give you an analogy that will apply to your other passion, being the New England Patriots. You know, once upon a time, there was a guy named Joe Montana yes. who was really good at playing quarterback and made a lot of kids want to pick up a football and become mm-hmm. a quarterback. And one of those guys was Tom Brady. So without Joe Montana, Tom Brady never would have come along. Mm -hmm. So without Ghost Hunters, you know, maybe the next great investigator might not have ever come along. I definitely agree. You think about it in in, in this light. There's always somebody that makes that other person arise. And that that could be, you know, Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson and all them on that television show. But you're never going to have the next step in a field if, if you don't incorporate something and go with it you know it's never going to set that goal for yourself so that show unlocked a potential for a lot of people and especially for clients that come forth uh, you know with paranormal activity so it's a double-edged sword you know it's uh been a way for to introduce people that you know do these do this for the wrong reason and there's also introduce people for the right reason to do it as well not just to seek a truth and an answer but uh you know in my aspect to help people um feel comfortable in their house even though we don't necessarily know what we are necessarily dealing with uh we still can at least and come into that person's house and kind of give them a little common idea of what they are dealing with and you know don't be scared this is your house and and that's one of the things that i think a lot of people don't understand is the the benefit of having so much paranormal media out there Mm -hmm. is that it's it's not so much whether or not the investigator watches it and absorbs it and, and takes that into who they are but the fact that now the people who are calling you for help are watching it and they have an understanding so instead of having to go into somebody's house and start giving them you know a rudimentary understanding of what ghost mm-hmm. phenomena could be or, or any type of paranormal phenomena you know they have an idea already the, the the other side of that coin though is that they might just be calling you because they want to be yeah. like the people they see on TV. Well, in, in all honesty, though, is you know I don't really watch many paranormal shows anymore. I'm I'm very busy. Um, I live paranormal life. You know I do work a real job, but I do a lot of uh, cl- uh, client investigations and a lot of cleansings. We'll, we can get into that a little bit further. But you know I'm very busy. But for I think for the people that are new to this field and that are trying to grow in a uh, nice green light in a way to say is that they watch these shows and they can see the do's and don'ts of how not to investigate, you know, because there's some ways that you see on television that these people are investigating a whole way different way that you shouldn't, you know. So it kind of gives you a positive and a negative of uh, investigating. And don't uh, don't be uh, upset at all if I take my attention away from you and look at the computer during the show. Uh, yeah. A lot of different things to monitor uh, during the course of the discussion. And uh, and of course we we have the chat line, uh, the uh, text line open at six seven six six four. Just start your text with WBSM if you want to send in any questions that way. You can also call them in five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. 877-996-1420 to call toll-free. And, of course, on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. And that's what I was actually doing. I was moving the Spooky Live column over <laughs> so I could actually see it. That's fine. But uh, the, the other thing, too, is by the same token, if you're getting into this field and you're watching Ghost Hunters and that's it, yeah. or if you're watching Ghost Adventures and that's it, well, you're an idiot because oh, you're, you're basically limiting yourself mm-hmm. to one perspective, just like you would never go out to buy a car and only look at Fords. Yes. You know, you want to make sure that you take everything into account. So 
there's so much more than just what's on television. And I'm sure as, you know, growing up when you did as a 15-year-old, you have the opportunity to jump on the Internet. Moniz, when you were 15, you know, tablets were still made out of stone instead of plastic and electronic parts. True. So for you, it was a little bit harder for you to find the information that was out there. Yeah, we had these things called libraries. Yep. Those but, are nice things. That's where I was. But what did libraries give you? They gave you information, right. but they didn't give you connection to the people behind that information. No, if you wanted that, you had to go seek out either the author or somebody else that was affiliated. Yeah. So for you, James, it's easier because you mm-hmm. are already stepping into a world where these networks have been created, and I'm sure that was helpful. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I grew up, in course, of course, at the time of dial-up and AOL, so I, I transitioned through that period of, uh, you know, Facebook and MySpace. But, you know, growing up in this in this field, so to say, is because pretty much I did. You know, I, I'm, I'll be experienced at the aspect of where people, you know, 30 years old that just got in this field about five years ago. But, you know, definitely getting in contact with some of the people that, you know, I looked upon, you know, especially on these shows, which it led me to, you know, I, I got to speak to the Johnsons and, you know, all these other individuals that I looked looked upon on the television and, you know, I wanted to get seek answers from them. And, you know, it did, did lead me to that. And it's it was very helpful. Just going back to your point about dial-up. If I had been involved in this field during the time of dial-up internet and anybody ever tried to send me an orb photo that would have taken me two and a half hours to download, oh, I would have no friends left. Well, the, th- the thing is, though, is you got to remember, back 10 years ago, orbs were a thing. They were a huge thing. Yeah, they, they still kind of are. They kind of are, yeah. But uh, thankfully, the <laughs> cameras are progressing to the point where they happen less and less frequently. Yes, thankfully. Uh, but so now you're starting off with this, and and as as being a 15 year old and, and going into the early couple of years of, of your experiences yep. in this, you know, you're, what what are you focused on? You're focused on looking for ghosts. Is that really where you were concentrating um, on? Well, yes, yes, and no. More of my uh, knowledge or seeking of knowledge was to uh, see if ghosts actually do exist. You know, it's television. You know, it's reality television, and you know sometimes these things are maybe uh, produced. And not only did that seek me to do investigating in these uh, local cemeteries and local legend trippings, uh, like Salem. Um, you know, so I think more of it was the secret truth. But also to, you know, see if it was falsified by any chance and have my own personal experiences because not the, te- the television wasn't a driving aspect of it. It was all the knowledge that I've come down to knowing through watching these shows, reading books. Um, you know, it wasn't Ghost Hunters that really activated my perception of the paranormal and all these shows it was because my aunt showed me a picture of her bed and breakfast and i don't remember what bed and breakfast but in the corner of the window was like a ghostly figure and to me that activated my concept of you know ghost and so when i was 15 years old it was to you know try to double-edged sword it you know try to falsify anything that was on the shows and also find the truth from all the research that i've kind of looked into when i was younger so eventually you know, you're involved in this, and eventually you move up to becoming a tech manager. Yes. And and you said, you know, you, you kind of connected it with a quick overview, but you said that you went from being a tech manager 
to being a demonologist. Uh, what was that transition like? Because I can imagine it didn't just happen overnight. Well, not, not necessarily. Uh, when I was uh, just a regular ghost hunter, I, I call I, I call it differently a ghost hunter and a paranormal investigator. I think a paranormal investigator is somebody that goes and deals with clients, residentials, businesses. Um, ghost hunter does it, you know, just to hunt and seek fun uh, or seek an answer and to some aspect and does the local surroundings such as Slater Mill and Waverly Hills and all that. That's a ghost hunter to me. Um, so I went from Ghost Hunter to Paranormal Investigator. I actually had my own group um, called Ghost, Ghost Hunters of Supernatural Truth. And it was uh, with members of uh, RIPS, which was uh, on the episode Demon, uh, Demon Attack on a Haunting. And, you know, they, they left the group and we founded a group together. And being a founder of a group and starting to dwell into residential cases, I, you know, came across one of the Johnson brothers and, you know, Pretty much got in cahoots with him, you know, was talking to him, you know, demonologist. Did you, did you tell which one it was? It was Carl. Okay, because I can tell them apart. Yeah. So. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, yeah, you can actually. Right but um, So, you know, talking to him, I started dwindling away from my group. And I started, and I, you know, eventually I became a tech manager of, you know, Beyond the Veil Paranormal. And, you know, not the name drop or anything like that. You know, I don't like to do that as much. But it's I, all right. You can tell people you know me. It's all right. <laughs> um, I was tech manager of Carl's group. And then eventually, you know, I kind of separated. And, you know, I was asking questions about demonology. I had assisted on, you know, some of Carl's cases um, of of the malevolent, of course. And it's something that activated me. Like, you know, I could be a paranormal investigator, come into somebody's house, you know, do the same DVR setup, uh, do EMF sweeps, do recording sweeps, you know, still camera sweeps, you know, take take bajillion photos in a in the same room and you know review evidence and i was like yeah you know that's all good and everything and you know but what kind of what kind of validates the client to be you know comfortable in their house yeah you're telling them you have paranormal activity but you can't do anything beyond it you can't go that extra step all you can say yeah here's evidence you know it's not negative or it's you know it's a you know benevolent entity um, but some of those people don't want that entity or spirit or ghost to live there or be there. So, you know, with the demonologist or a spiritual warrior, um, you know, they take the extra step to do a crossing over, if, of course, if you believe in that stuff. And so I was like, you know, I kind of reevaluated myself in the paranormal. I was like, I kind of want to research it more in depth. You know, I was, I've always been uh, a person to research religion. Uh, theology, you know, it's kind of something that interested me. Uh, I denounced religion at one point, and then I, I renounced it again. So it's something that you know kind of boggled my mind. I was like, you know, demonology. You know, I seen you know what Carl could do um, by helping these people, and the other multitude of people that I worked with in the spiritual warfare aspect, like Keith Johnson, Father Bob Bailey, and. I was like, you know, I want to do that. I think it's my calling. You know, I, I've done these cases. I've not run away from them. And I stood my ground and, you know, I hoped. I hope, you know, as an assistant to these individuals. So I was like, I'm going to try it and I'm going to do it. And I went solo when I worked with a few other people. Well, what was the reaction then when you're dealing with these kind of elder statesmen? Uh, no offense, guys. I know a lot of you listening. These elder statesmen, the older generation yes. of demonologists, and now you are a young guy. I'm assuming, you know, in, in your twenties at this point. When, I'm twenty. I'm twenty six this June. But but by the point, by the oh, time yes. you were making twenties, uh, yes, the sleep. So you know, here's a young guy in his twenties saying, "I think I'm ready to take that next step." What was the reaction that that these gentlemen had to that? Well, it, I wasn't. 
I wasn't somebody that just jumped and said I'm a demonologist. You know, there's a, there's definitely a spectrum where, um, you know, nowadays you have a lot of people just, you know, reading a book or two and saying they're demonologists. You know, you're giving some people a lot of credit saying uh, they've even read a book. <laughs> but the thing is, is like I. Before I even started going cases as a solo individual, doing any kind of cleansing rituals or any of these rituals that you do to maybe cross over a spirit, I actually not just read books, but I worked with these other individuals um, to get an idea of what to do, you know, to also come up with an idea of what to do myself. Um, but a lot of the people at my early age of you know studying, I never called myself a demonologist for the long time, longest time. I always said studying because you know demonology is a study. It's it's not really uh, a lot of people think it's like this cool thing. It's it's really more of a study. Uh, demonologist is somebody that just studies demons. Uh, you know the spiritual warrior aspect is where you go in and cleanse houses. Um, but it took me a long time. You know I did not just jump right into a case and say. I can save you. I'm your savior. You know, I'm going to cleanse your house. You know, but a lot of people, especially earlier and on the aspect of it, uh, kind of belittled me because a lot of people uh, don't have the idea in their head that, okay, why is this 20 year old, you know, doing this? You know, you know, all these guys have 40, 50, 30, 20 years of experience in the field. You know, they were on, you were, they were doing this specific thing before the shows, you know, before it was popular, you know, Lorraine and Ed Warren, for example, and you know, I, I kind of got a little backlash for it. But you know, in, in the same aspect of what you said about the Patriots, how are you going to develop the next generation of demonology, or you know, that aspect of malevolent cases and having a malevolent case specialist? If I'm not the next breed, you know, right. so if I, you're I, writing, if you're writing the bench, you're not getting the playing yeah, time. You're never yeah. going to develop. And th and that's pretty much what my response was to all these people. Like I need, you know, I can't sit on the bench and then one day come off the bench and do a, a very malevolent case and then be shocked that you know this is a malevolent case. You know, I I went off, I went I went swinging. You know, I I was researching, I was you know watching videos. Um, you know, I was researching so in depth because I was so interested in it and it kind of made me kind of mad and in, in, in a way like madness in the head because that's all I was doing you know as a 20 year old you think I'm going out and partying you know pounding beers but no I was at home studying and you know and that was my drive because I wanted and this is something I love doing I love the paranormal I love you know seeing somebody at the end of the day smile and relief that their house is comfortable again for those in, those individuals that live there so that was my driving force and that's why i told people i was like you know there has to be a next generation you can't just wait for it to appear somebody has to set that goal and forth in front of them and go for it and you know that's what i did and to kind of continue the the sports analogy a little bit i mean some guys can come in to switch sports a little bit, but some guys can come in like a LeBron James yes. and, and make an impact right away and, mm -hmm. and change the game. Uh, is demonology and, and is being a spiritual warrior, is that something that somebody could come in? Could they be naturally gifted in that, or does there have to be that period of, of research, study, and exposure beforehand before you're ready to, to go up against it? I would say research. You know, uh, necessarily you could, you know, have the calling, like we call if you talk to any of the Johnsons or any of the uh, Zaffis or you talk to any of those individuals that do what we do and it has that title of demonologist, uh, they will say that, you know, you might have the calling and you might.
might be able to stand still when you go on a uh, malevolent or negative or de- even a demonic case of how rarity they are. Uh, you could stand still and not run away, but you should still research because if you don't research, you don't have no idea. Even though everything what we do is, or the ideas that we we do, or what we think is all theories, you know, you should still understand the theory because if you go to a client's house and you say, oh yeah, it's a demon, but it's not really a demon. You know, you're making the situation ten times worse. You need to know the differences in these entities. You know what, what an elemental is, what a demon or jinn is. You know, you need to know these differences, the call signs, and that, I would say definitely research. You know, and that's one of the things is why you know I, I will talk about it. Of course, I know you'll bring it up. Is why I created the Dominion Ministry is because. I wanted people to come together, work together, and also have an apprentice program like Ross. He's my apprentice to learn under these individuals that you know have done it a long time, and they can pass their knowledge on because there needs to be that next generation. And that's that's something you know that's special to my heart. Is you now I think not just stepping in the field, but researching it. You know, I, before I started going to people's houses, you think about it as an investigator. I was doing cemeteries. I was doing Anawan Rock. I was doing a lot, a lot of legendary surroundings around here, um, you know, that you can find on Shadowlands, thanks to Dave Giuliano. But that's what I was doing, and it developed me over time. And, you know, that's what you have to do in this field. You can't just say I'm a paranormal investigator after just going to somebody's house a day and then start doing demonic or malevolent cases because you're up, you're you're going to be up for a rude awakening, you know, when you get slapped in the face by something you can't see, you know. But that's why I try to avoid those cases. And, uh, you know, if somebody calls me up and says, I think I have something that may be demonic, I'll be like, let me give you Keith Johnson's phone number <laughs> because uh, he's better suited to handle that. And, and to his credit, Keith has never, you know, ever not taken that call from that person either. Definitely. Keith is uh, actually a part of the ministry. Um, you know, he's one of the board members. Um, you know, I'm the founder, but I have a, a good panel of six board members on on the bo- um, board of the Dominion Ministry that votes for everything, and a lot of these people have 10, 20, 30, 40 years experience like Keith Johnson. You know, I have a guy called Bill Freeman who does the paganistic, paganistic aspect of it. You know, I have a very large uh, membership of this ministry, and we have, you think about it, we have over 55 members across the country, and right. it's only a year old. It just turned a year old a few, a few days ago. So, and we have affiliate group members throughout the country. You know, if we don't have a member in a state, we have affiliate group that has five or six members in it. So, you know, somebody like Keith, you know, we, we pass long cases. And, of course, we, you know, between me and you, we know Keith's situation, so he can't always get on a case, right. especially long distance. You know, I, I travel, and I do everything free of charge. You know, I, about five months ago, I went on a – actually, six, seven months ago now, I went on a case to Arkansas out of my own pocket to do, uh, you know, to, to, a, to do a case. So, you know, we, we try to travel about and, you know, help. And, you know, me and Keith have worked, you know, Keith has given me cases before. And that's a good thing about what the ministry is about because we can, it's not just a, a network for all of us, but it's more like a family and we can help each other out and pass knowledge on to each other. Well, we'll talk more about the, the Dominion ministry coming up in the next hour as well as some of your experiences out there in Definitely. the field. And uh, we'll take your calls as well, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We have about two minutes left until we take a news break. Uh, and, and then, it, well, during the news break, if people want to check out your website, how can they find out more? www.thedominionministry.org, um, or you can go on Facebook, the Dominion Ministry LLC. 
So you can do that during the news if you want to find out more about our guest, James Anito, and his work. But we're going to talk more about it coming up in the next hour. We'll touch upon some of these ideas of exactly what is it that James feels like he's going up against, some of the experiences that he's had doing so, and we'll... You know, we'll try and explore it as much as we can from a variety of different topics. I know that the, the question that always comes up in people's minds with this is, uh, you know, following along those religious bends and, and, which, and what goes which way. And so that's why I want to really kind of delve into that a little bit more because I think a lot of that stuff, I'm finding a lot of that stuff that we talk about in terms of religion is we're just throwing labels on things that exist anyway. Okay, so it doesn't, doesn't matter what we call it. It's yes. still there. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up in the next hour as well. And remember, of course, the phone lines are open throughout the course of the show, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And you can text us at 67664. I want to thank to the people, uh, thank the people who have texted us already by using the keyword WBSM, uh, including telling us the video and the audio are good this week. So there you go, Matt Koss, a perfect job. See, it always works so much better when you're here. That's why we love having you here. Not just It has nothing to do with the fact that we love you and love having you around. We just want to make sure somebody sets it up right. You are the product- I told him today I loved him and I needed him here, not for text. All right. Production monkey extraordinaire. That's what it Pete's says on his more, business card. Uh, energy drinks from you. They're in my car. <laughs> All right, well, we'll chug some of those, and we'll come back with the next hour coming up uh, with more with our guest, James Anito. It's Spooky South Coast. We're here every Saturday night to talk about the paranormal and online at SpookySouthCoast.com. Download the archives if you've never listened to the show before. Where there's 10 years of them up there for you to download. We'll wait. We'll take a news break while you do so. Be right back. Spooky South Coast, hour number two. Tim Weisberg here, along with Stephanie Burke, science advisor Matt Moniz, and the silent assassin Matt Costa, as well as our guest, uh, demonologist and founder of the Dominion Ministry, James Anito, is here with us as well. And, of course, as always, we invite you to call in and be part of the show. Yeah, we're the people that are, quote-unquote, hosting the show, but the show is for you guys. And so we're just trying to ask the questions we think you would want to have asked, but you can ask them yourself as well. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. You can also text your questions to us at 67664. Just start your text with the letters WBSM, so it filters into us. And you can also post them on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. We have had a few questions uh, and, and, and points come through in texts. I don't want to uh, ignore those. Somebody said when we were talking about the Ghost Arc device, which we have here in the studio tonight, we finally have the Ghost Arc. Somebody said we should find out if there is an EVP in the studio during the show. So there's plenty of battery in the Ghost Arc. It runs, I think, about eight hours with, uh, you know, with full functionality with the battery that's built in. So we could certainly turn it on and run it. I'd be questioning any result you get. You're inside a radio studio. Mm-hmm. That's so much. the only thing I would have an issue with with doing that. I mean, beyond the, the stray signals and all that, the fact that we have a room over there that's running four different networks all at once. That's what I'm right. saying. Lots of contamination. Yeah. 
but what what would make me want to avoid that even more is that's like another hour of the show that I'd have to listen to and now listen to it even more intently for EVP. So I don't know if we'll be able to do that, but maybe I mean I don't know. Maybe I should just run it and upload it, and then people can take it and listen for it themselves. So we can go. we can do that's that. a good idea. We can turn the ghost dark on, which I'm doing now, and it's, it's see it and it powers up pretty quickly, about as fast as the newest cell phones. That's a good thing. Maybe even a little faster. We have it in EVP recording mode. I'm going to hit the record button. Now, it's important to note that when in EVP recording mode, the ghost arc will automatically pick up our voices, as you can see on the visual indicator. So anything that we say will be picked up on this. Now, you won't hear, and of course, every time I drop it, you'll hear that too, because it does pick up any internal noise very easily if you shake it, hold it, if you touch a dial, if you move a dial. Does it have stereo or is it a mono microphone? It's stereo. Uh, there's multiple microphones. There's there's more than two. I think there's four. Oh, oh that's pretty cool. Um, so there's, and, 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 it's either four. Or th- I, know, I know it's on the directional, so I don't know if they ended up putting in more. It was originally supposed to be four single-directional, unidirectional microphones, but now it's an omnidirectional, so I don't know if they put in multiple. I'll have to find out. But there is... uh, Actually, I can probably just look on the website right now and find that out. But um, the EVP mode will automatically record our voices. The ghost box mode, if you're recording in that, it will only pick up your voice if you push the push-to-talk button on the side. Hmm. So it's just recorded... Just like, you know, if you were recording directly off... You know, a Shack Hack or an SB7 or any of those, you would just pick up that sweep. Yeah. It works the same way. So you have to actually cut in with your, uh, you know, with your... Um, Commentary. Own, yeah, your yes. own questions or, or, you know, anything that you want to have interact. Or you can just record on a separate device as well, and you can pick up both. So, uh, it's uh, you know, it just says here that it has high-sensitivity microphones... Start recording at 6 hertz, much below what is heard audibly by the human ear. So let's go to full specifications. So it has two shielded omnidirectional microphones, able to record from 5.7 hertz up to 20 hertz. Audio files are recorded in a non-compressed WAV format with 44.1 kilohertz CD quality, which is how we used to to upload the Spooky South Coast podcast. So people are like, how come I fill up my iPod with one episode? (laughs) Uh, so the EMF meter measures fields between 30 hertz and up to 300 hertz. Uh, the shielded temperature sensor, let's see what else it has, shielded pressure sensor. Uh, the ghost box, listen to AM, FM, and shortwave frequencies. Monies, are you familiar enough, or, or maybe Matt, I know that you you know you actually went to school for radio stuff, to explain to people the difference between shortwave and longwave? Because the device actually measures longwave. They didn't end up with shortwave. As far as our uh, radio frequencies? Yeah, it picks up. It does AM, FM, and long wave. Uh, I believe uh, long wave is uh, ham radio. It said that it's, you know, I was looking at a visual representation. Uh, I looked up a graph, and it's, you know, long wave waves are pretty close to the AM waves. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're almost kind of like right on top of each other, whereas short wave, you know, is, is further away from it. So, I mean, right. are we basically just picking up, like, I mean, the difference between FM and AM is how, you know, it's uh, it's, it's, not, it's not that great of a difference in terms of the well, way I mean, it's uh, used. I, is it um, FM is kilohertz and AM is hertz, right? So that's 
one hertz is I mean one kilohertz is a thousand hertz. So maybe maybe we're going up another thousand to get to long wave. Possibly, I'm not sure. I, it's been a while. There's people while. out there that know way more about right. this than us. They'll figure out this problem and answer the question for us. We'll be getting all kinds of tweets tomorrow that will tell us the answer about it. Uh, the uh, the fact that you can play this play it right from it. It has uh, the blue black light that blue backlight that can be turned on and off as needed 3.5 inch tft color display 8 gigabyte flash memory which is upgraded to a 16 gigabyte for the hunters pack but it looks like all of them have been coming out with 16 gigabyte uh, it also has the audio sd card slot and the data sd card slot uh 3400 mega mega amp hertz i don't know what, what's mah in battery power is it uh i don't know we don't know either no amps <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, 3,400 rechargeable lithium battery, which, you know, if you go out and purchase, like, a, a cell phone charger bank or whatever, you know, those are usually around 4,400. So it just gives you an idea, like, mm-hmm. the kind of power involved. Uh, soft touch, easy grip case, and the web app, which I don't think is up and running yet. I haven't heard back. I did ask them uh, when they plan on getting that up. And uh, the internal external antenna... And the earphones also come with the Hunter's Pack. Those came in mind, so I'm sure those are coming in a lot of the one, other ones people are getting. So anyway, to answer your question, long story short, two omnidirectional microphones, which I've used an omnidirectional microphone many times on investigation. I use my Yeti Blue Mic, and I set it for omnidirectional, and it makes a huge difference in what you can pick up. Would I say that I pick up more stuff with an omnidirectional than with the unidirectional? Probably not, because I still think that whatever is there is coming up to you to say something. Uh, but, you know, you, you're definitely more aware of the surroundings, for sure, with it on the directional. You can kind of spatially pick out the room a lot better. And nothing against the headphones that they, they put into the Ghost Arc, but a lot of us out there that have been doing this, we've probably invested in some pretty high-quality headphones. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend just using those. Like, you know, I stuck my bows in it, and it sounded pretty incredible. So, I mean, that's my true test for anything is to stick those in it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people out there have their own preferred brands and choice, you know, what they use. I don't know why some of you still use Beats for investigations. Mm -hmm. Please don't use Beats. (laughs) It manipulates the sound. Don't use Beats. Right, Matt? You know this. You know what Beats does to music? It does. They they kick up the bass, basically. So... So you really shouldn't use it for EVP analysis. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I feel like the bass kind of drowns it out. Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Dre, for ruining paranormal investigation. <laughs> sure, the, the music sounds good, but the... Uh, and they're like $300 for it. Yeah, they're very expensive. What about those Nick Cannon ones? Have you tried those new Nick Cannon ones that they sell only at Radio Shack? Know, there's know, like three Radio Shacks left. I just know Nick, Nick Cannon ones. Like, I didn't know Radio Shack was still existing. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, one, there's one left in my town. I'm their best customer. <laughs> By best customer, I mean I'm the guy that makes them go back in and end their cigarette break early. Because <laughs> every time I go there, man, they're outside smoking a cigarette. That's usually the sign that some place is really not going to stick around too much longer. But uh, So anyway, we, we've been talking with our guest tonight, James Anito, about his work in the field of demonology. And we were talking about the Dominion Ministry. And, and James, you mentioned after, uh, during the news break there that you know it, the Dominion Ministry isn't just about... Doing things under the auspices of one particular faith, you have a lot of different approaches to the to the demonology question. 
definitely. We uh, you know we have a long, long, long list of and roster of people, uh, such, such as shamans. You know, we have a Buddhist monk. We have a geomancer, which most people don't even understand. We have you know uh, demon. No, what, was, what was that? Again? A geomancer. You know, if you if you look into like uh, the seven forbidden arts of the Renaissance, like you know pyromancy and necromancy, mm-hmm. geomancy is actually part of one of them. Um, but we have we have a if you think about it, if we have everything, but we don't we don't have anybody that's Israeli or anything like that uh, of that belief. But we have like we have a rabbi, uh, we have we have Rabbi Sid, if you Sid Weinberg, if you ever heard of him. But we have a large roster of different faiths and beliefs. We have you know Wiccans, we have pagans, neo pagans. Um, so you know it's a large diversity of people, and I think that's what makes it so interesting. So, basically, if we just got the rest of the world to run like the Dominion Ministry, we'd be all set. We wouldn't have any more wars or anything. Well, yeah, if you think about it, it's a coexist environment. You know, we, we, we go in there um, as a family. Um, you know, we, we have debates. We have opinion battles, if you like to call them that. Uh, and, but we don't battle each other in a negative way. We, we try to have our debates because we want to try to get down to, you know, certain theories and, you know, maybe we can come up with a common agreement to one theory uh, and say, yeah, it's that. But that's that's the good thing about it is you can take all these people, the diversity of, of what they believe in, and you can try to learn what they do because, you know, at one point you might come across a case that has the qualities of their their belief system. You know, you might come across somebody that's Jewish and I'm Christian. So, you know, now now I have a better idea on how to handle the, the Jewish the Jewish folk that I'm about to deal with. So there's different characteristics of what you're dealing with. Yes. There's different names for what you're dealing with. But do you feel and, and does everybody that's a part of the Dominion Ministry feel like Whatever it is, does it all come from the same place? Uh, a lot of a lot of people, of course, like they're open to their own opinions in the ministry. Uh, some of them believe that you know, a demon's a demon's a you know fallen angel, or or it's not a fallen angel, or you know it's Nephilim. Um, to me, the general idea of what I deal with, I believe it's a positive and negative. It's a balance of the yin and the yang. You know, there's for there to be positive, there has to be negative. And I believe everything that we deal with, in a way, even though I'm Christian, uh, is everything is energy. Um, because you think about it, you know, what we deal with, especially with the equipment, you know, there's energy fields, and you know, we're looking for EMF fields. So I, I do believe that, you know. Especially in a demonic nature case, which is a very much a rarity, and why I say it's a rarity, even with the the name tag demonic, is because it's something that's so highly negative. Um, you know, regardless if it just you know was born like that or energy somehow developed to to have that high negative energy. But I believe that it also encompasses the pe- person's fears because it builds in that. You know, it plays off your your negative emotions um it plays off everything that you you you're scared of it, you have nightmares of things you dislike so it feeds off those emotions it feeds off that fear and that's what develops it to be you know something of like a demonic nature um no i'm not saying i'm just not shooting down this idea of a god or uh, angels or anything like that but i just have a different concept of a theory of what we deal with um it's not i don't disagree or agree with those other viewpoints i'm open i'm very open-minded about everybody's beliefs i just have you know set theories that i try to look forth um you know especially one of my 
big things nowadays is psychokinetic, psychokinetic energy, uh, where people develop their own activity through their mind, you know, where they, you know, believe something to be there, especially, you know, especially if you watch Ghost Adventures and you believe something demonic's in your house because they're scr- it's scratching you, and you, or you're not, you don't have anything in your house, and you hear the bumps and the grimes of your house, and, you know, you eventually start believing something's there. What happens if something actually does finally appear? Because you put so much perception into it, it's kind of like how your mind adrenaline happens. It's kind of like you you get superhuman strength. Let's say somebody's under a car, you put your mind to you know you can pick that car up. Guess what? You're picking that car up. It's proven science. Science. So why can't we put our mind to something of creating something of energy and something appearing? And and that's something that I talked about quite a bit. Uh, I've I've lectured on that. We've talked about it here on the show, and I run into a, and I talk about it when I do other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other paranormal shows when I'm the guest, and it always like tends to drive people crazy a little bit because you start taking it down that path of, well, you know, I don't, I don't think that all ghosts are necessarily dead people. I think sometimes we're dealing with things that we've created with our own minds, and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, that's not nearly as interesting. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Listen, how many times can I tell people this? I think it's way cooler to think that mm-hmm. we can do that kind of stuff with our own minds than it is to think that there's dead people all around us. Yeah. I'd much rather be able to think I can make that remote magically come into my hand <laughs> force style than to think that my grandmother is watching me take a shower. Well, you, th- you think about it like this. I, de- I dealt with a case that, and, you know, I try to explain this because it just how people perceive situations. Uh, you know, I got a call. Oh, I have a demonic, a demonic entity in my house. I have a demonic entity in my house. I'm getting the three marks of the Trinity on me i'm getting scratched i'm getting you know i'm smelling this i'm doing it things are moving you know of course you know i work with a very gifted psychic medium you know but she wasn't involved in that case at the time i've worked with many psychics and mediums um clairvoyants empaths and you know i had different opinions and views on that situation on that case i went there you know i interviewed the client i sat down i did a little investigation ems sweep you know recording session you know i do a little investigation before i go in somebody's house just to make sure you know that these emf fields are not so high where they're making those per- those person that person nauseous or seeing things sure, yeah. because eliminate, eliminate the normal eliminate the normal situations and you know we came to the aspect that it wasn't a demonic entity in the house it was you know uh maybe energy or uh, maybe it was his dead grandmother but his uh, some, some somebody and you know what was told to me was his grandmother trying to get in touch with him she was scratching him because she was getting annoyed at him that you know she he thought it was like a demonic entity and you know he was yelling at her so she was you know peed off and you know targeting him and you know kind of way like a grandma would if you ignored her mm-hmm. like you know so you know i got three reliable people to tell me yeah it was his grandmother so look at that in a situation where that guy thought it was demonic but in reality it could have possibly been his grandmother you well, know with i mean okay with ghosts and with, you know, just run-of-the-mill spirits, if there is such a thing. But with a run-of-the-mill spirit activity going on in your house, mm-hmm. you know, people will sometimes uh, maybe use that as an explanation to kind of explain normal, mundane things. You know, the, there's a problem with the plumbing. They think it's a ghost turning mm-hmm. on the pipe. You know, th- you know, things like that will happen and will occur. But with the demonology aspect, with, with demonic entities, with negative entities, it brings, in my opinion, so much more of that person's psyche into it. Moniz, I remember a, a situation that you were dealing with a couple of years ago where, and you already knew my feeling on 
amount of cases. I, yeah. I didn't want to have anything to do with them. And but you have this one that you were looking into, and you said I, you know, this is one that you should come along on because this, if if it all pans out, this is going to be, you know, a chance to really learn, and this is going to be a chance to experience something that is very rare to experience. And as time went on, you ended up actually dropping it because you realized it wasn't right. demonic; it was the right. family. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's got to be something. James- there was something paranormal going in the going on in the house, mm-hmm. but I think that was it wasn't what they were saying. It was the family's dynamic, and we'll we'll say that there were all kinds of other things going on with the family. That well, I was going to say that must be something that you have to. Uh, not when you do encounter, you have to differentiate between it because people will have no problem explaining, you know, mundane stuff on ghosts. They'll they'll, mm-hmm. they'll pin everything on ghosts, but when it comes to the serious problems within their own family, you know, it goes beyond just a leaky pipe or or, or a cold spot in the house. Now you're dealing with the the personalities and the psyches of the people in the house, yeah. and that's when they tend to go demonic. Well, I look I look at it like this, and you know, this is a true uh, you know psychological study. Um, you know, I look at it like this. You know, if there's something paranormal in your house, like in that case and scenario, and you have the negative influences of the family, you know, that kind of combines. I'm not going to say that that entity or spirit becomes demonic, but it kind of feeds off of what you give it. Um, and some aspect that I look at it like this is, like, if you're a positive individual, you walk you walk into work and everybody's negative, guess what? Your mindset's going to change to negative because everybody's perception or everybody's feeling and emotion is going to let off on you. It just just how it just how it happens, you know. You you feel the transfer of you know people's emotions, so you're going to be negative. But if you're negative and you walk into work, everybody's positive, thinking rain, unicorns and rainbows. You're going to think unicorns and rainbows too because it just feed, you feed off of that. You feed off the positive energy. Same thing with the transverse at work. If everybody's yeah. miserable, yeah. no matter how good you are walking, you're going to be miserable. Right. So that's the same thing if you're dealing with paranormal activity in a case where you know they might say it's demonic, but you walk into somebody's house and there's some paranormal activity there. You know, maybe just but the reg- interaction, like what I was, yeah, Tim and I were talking about, is it was the family yep. having the issues, and, and it, yeah. when you walk in that house, you feel that negativity. So, you know, generally, uh, somebody that's not a seasoned investigator like you guys would walk in the house, say it's demonic, it's demonic, because they, you know, people can, regardless if you're an empath or you have. Uh, ability, we have some kind of sensitivity. It's just how humans uh, just coexist with the world. So, you know, you walk in that house, you feel the negativity, and you're not a seasoned investigator. You're like, oh, yeah, something's demonic here, and you see something move. You know, it's demonic, and then you're going to get a priest in the, involved. But when you're a seasoned investigator like you guys, you can see the dynamic of the family. And that's a lot of things that I do is because, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but I, you know, I've taken some psychology courses when I had to go through my my courses to get my business business degree, um, but I see that you know I see it. I have to deal with that. I'm a consultant more than a spiritual warrior. Sometimes, like I can go into somebody's house and I can definitely say that there's no paranormal activity there. There's nothing there at all. And you know, and I just don't say that the whim. You know, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of study. I bring in somebody with abilities just to just to guarantee it because I could be wrong. So when that in the case and scenario when you know. Two people say no. Three people say no. There's no activity there. Then you kind of have to consult that individual on how to, uh, you know, kind of separate that there's nothing paranormal there in their house. So you have to come up with a reasonable explanation saying that this is happening. That's why that's happening. And you know, sometimes the people won't listen, and they'll kind of get an L investigator to come in, right. and then L investigator will say the same thing, or that 
they'll they be keep un- switching them out until they get the answer. They until, want. until somebody says yes, you have a demonic entity right. in your house. If negative energy, if negative personality traits, if being a negative person can draw in the demonic, I'm probably going to turn into Linda freaking Blair. Well, well, Be- well, the thing is, sorry to interrupt you, Tim. I, I look at it like this: you know, if any any energy or any entity uh, can feed off your emotions. You know, what we call demonic and you know, quote unquote demonic uh, scenario is, if you look at it like this, is anything that high, highly negative, you know plays off your fears it's that what feeds it so i'm not saying you're not like you're gonna say i'm negative you know some spirit's gonna feed off me and become a demonic entity it's not necessarily that so well but by the same token i mean i think some people have the perception that some something that's demonic will only go after you if you're a religious person and i'm assuming that that's probably not true that's false you know i've uh, dealt with many cases where you know of course uh you know atheist or agnostic people you know deal with paranormal situations or malevolent situations and you know it's in in some aspect when you're dealing with somebody like that that doesn't have a background of faith that believes in a god or uh you are whatever figurehead you believe in to be a higher power uh you know the, the best angle to go across is to play the consultant role and somebody that doesn't believe in a higher power because they're, they're only there's only you know, faith is a good thing because you have that backing behind you. You know, if you don't believe in yourself, you could believe against a higher power and it'll motivate you. But with an agnostic or an atheist individual that doesn't have a necessary belief in anything, you know, you make them try to believe in themselves. You try to motivate them to, you know, get past the scenario they're dealing with because in that case in point, now they have a faith in something, but they have faith in themselves. And that's what you got to do with people that don't believe, you know. Just whatever you can do to strengthen their yeah, resolve you know, like, further. It's kind of like, you know, a goal. You set a goal in your life. You know, you, you, some people might pray to God or pray to uh, Allah, whichever, and say, you know, let this happen to me but you know in all in all honesty it's you putting a goal to yourself to go set out and do that let's say my goal is to go get a house at the end of the year and you keep on that goal guess what you're going to have a house at the end of the year it's it's pretty much goal setting and that's just what faith is you know you you put faith in something you're going to have a goal setting ability and you're going to prosper and that's the same thing with dealing with clients with more than cases you tell them to you know be positive you know especially with families you know they're going to be negative situations they're going to fight you know relationships i'm married come on i know i know about i know about fighting but you can at the end of the day is before you go to bed or, you know, you don't go to bed negative at each other. You don't, you're not fighting anymore. You, you try to end the day positive, and that's what you try to consult these people on. You try to tell them, uh, in some case and scenario, you know, you're going to have your negative aspects. You're going to have your bad days, but you got to kind of try to live a positive life and, you know, set a goal for yourself, and that's how you kind of get them over that hill. And some people just won't listen to you. They don't like that, and they'll, they'll get, you know, Bob Schmo co- come in their house and, do whatever they need to do. We're going to get into Bob Schmo in just a minute. Did, uh, I don't know if you had any questions, Stephanie. I, I have questions. I, I mean, I have plenty of stuff to talk about, but we just went in a huge circle, so I don't want to go back to it. But um, I, like, I like circles. I, I just feel like I'm I, looking over here and I'm not looking over there. And You're not. You know, I didn't want to cut you off, though. Um, one question I do have is, I mean, 
How many demons have you truly exercised yourself? I don't do exorcisms. Okay. Uh, that, so that's, you haven't cleared any demons. Well, I do. I do deliverances. Okay. Uh, if you, if, if well, can you explain the difference? The difference. Those? Okay. The de- deliverances is what Jesus Christ did in the Bible. If you follow the biblical aspect of it, uh, deliverance is pretty much severing uh, any kind of cord between an entity and the individual or the soul. Uh, exorcism, of course, is a sparked ritual where you, you know, you get dressed up, you you do commanding and. The reason why I do deliverances, and it's not necessarily because it's a belief system of mine, I, I leave the exorcisms to the Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox Church because it is a dangerous ritual. Um, not, why I say it's dangerous and there's liability to it is because with the deliverance, you're not necessarily like calling the entity out or, or being boisterous and you know saying get the heck out or asking for its name. A deliverance is short, sweet, positive. You know, trying to sever that. An exorcism is you calling the entity out. You're asking for its name, which could be highly dangerous. So the thing is, is why I leave the church to do exorcisms is because of the liability. And people can get severely injured. And I'm not saying they can't get injured during a deliverance, but it's more of a less chance of it. And you know, exorcisms, but I've done plenty of deliverances. With demonic entities, get to your second part of your question, I'd say I've done over 400 cases in my 10 years, 11 years. 400 cases? Uh, uh, 400, has there, has there 400 been that? demonic cases? No, 400 okay. cases in general. Um, if I had to say what was truly demonic, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to say maybe 10 or 9 cases out of 400 cases that I've done throughout my career span. And you had a 100% success rate with all of them? Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, what, what, what's the aspect of it is it's not magic. I don't go in there with a the wand and say, be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't banish them back to hell or wherever uh, this energy comes from. Uh, what happens, it's a consultant aspect of mm-hmm. it. It's 50% of me. I can do my ritual. Um, look, Think about it as I'm bringing positive energy and you know, I'm, I'm that positive person trying to outweigh all those negative people at work and trying to make them positive too. Sometimes you can make that happen, especially if you're a loony bin like me uh, who can make people laugh. Um, so I go in there, try to change the atmosphere of, you know, the negativity and try to be positive and that's what the rituals do because it acts as a enabler uh to neutralize the environment and then make it a positive environment so what that happens is i'm that crutch for those few hours that day that i'm there but when i'm when i'm gone that crutch is pulled that's why i consult and give guidelines to the families or the client or the business person and tell them that this is what you need to follow um necessarily you could hear small things you know it tr- i could try to penetrate through that positive barrier again and once it does you know i might have to come back so a success rate um you know usually i'm 90 percent success mm-hmm. successful by you know communicating to the client trying to you know i give them a call once every while make sure that they're doing good and um why is, i never say 100 percent is because there's some times where you know after two years three years of them not having activity Guess what? Activity happens again right. because they 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 lose that guideline and these thing and these things we don't know what they are. We don't really understand that true aspect. You know, uh, somebody like your abilities can see what they look like, right. but that could just be a play off of you and your third eye and say this is what I look like. But that's what not they truly look like. So who knows? Well, it this? depends. Every medium has different abilities. I don't know how much you studied yeah. into that. So there are a lot of mediums that work just with third eye. Yeah. I see them physically. Yeah. Just like I see you. Yeah. So that's different. But why Many I'm, mediums yeah. don't have that ability yeah. either. So, um, but if you work with mediums, like you say you were, mm-hmm. a lot of mediums have cleansing and clearing abilities mm-hmm. that you might not necessarily have. Universal which light. A huge yep. 
Well, not necessarily that either. It depends on your religion and your belief system. Yeah. But um, many mediums do have the ability to clear energy, which can yeah. be a huge tool for you. Um, you did say that you take mediums with you for different investigations or to I work consultations? With, I work with one soul medium, okay. psychic medium. When you said that you go in and you ask mm-hmm. them if there's anything there or you determine there's nothing there, how many times do you go to that place before you determine that nothing is there? Well, what happens is I work with this individual, Mandy Brown. She's uh, very, uh, very highly gifted, and, and you know I say that because I've worked with uh, quite a quite of dozens and dozens of psychic mediums. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually, when I deal with a client, usually, you know, I communicate with them probably a dozen or so times. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I bring a psychic medium, it's a cold read. I bring them in. I don't communicate with them. I let them go in with me, and I let them do their read. You know, depending on the, the scenario of the case, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I might give fair warning and say, you know, just be careful or, or whichever, but I never say anything to bring their mind, make their reading right. inaccurate. Um, with the psychic medium that I work with, she has a 100% sex success rate on guaranteeing what she sees and i say that because she's she's kind of thrown me for a loop i've worked with many um she she only comes once um she does like you say she does a clearing as well mm-hmm. um she's a spiritualist aspect of belief mm-hmm. system you know she works with universal light i'm a christian so i do a christian ritual right. um but she you know what we usually do and it's to kind of throw the kitchen sink at a case is I'll do my cleansing, I'll do a crossing over mm-hmm. and it depends if of course I need to do a deliverance on the individual if they have an attachment or demonic oppression or possession um, but then she does her ritual too which she walks around and changes, you know, she makes enforces the positive energy in those rooms mm-hmm. and on the property and uh, gives that gives that extra boost. You know, she's, um, I would say, you know, she's definitely my assistant. She, I work with her on every case unless she's sick. Um, and then I also have two apprentices that come on cases with me if she can't. The reason I ask only is because, and I think Moniz, you might agree with me, um, I've been on a ton of different cases. Mm-hmm. And the way that I work, at least, is, I mean, anything can change the, the activity of a place. Yep. Moon phases, weather, anything. Moniz has brought me to an extremely, extremely, like, dangerously active place. <laughs> and I know you know what I'm talking about. Where we were there for hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. We've gone back, and nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. Not one thing was in that house. That's why I asked how many times you went, because you made it seem like you only went once. But if you go once and there's nothing there, you, yeah. I'm a medium. I can see them. Yeah. They weren't there. That's, but they come and go. I definitely so. agree with you. In a situation like that where I'm assuming you went to, like, a, 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 I would call it, like, legend tripping place. No. No. No, no it was a private, was private case. Well, the thing is, what, especially I don't know if you've ever dealt with a demonic entity, um, a quote-unquote demonic entity. Yes, I have. Uh, most of the times they do transition. They have periods where they don't have any activity. Right. Uh, I call them silent ninjas. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in the dark. They, they know you're there. They're not going to do anything because they don't want you to be approached. You could go on another day. It'd be haywire. You know, you're having that extreme poltergeist activity. Things are moving. Um, but in that case and scenario is, you know, even if even – if you if you can read energy mm-hmm. very very well, there is always going to be that small trace of that energy that you can find if you go up and down and you inspect that place 100. percent I don't I don't regardless if it's not there or not. There's always going to be that trace, and I've I've seen this because um, in in my own house I have paranormal activity that happens. I don't know if you ever heard of a guardian. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have a guardian in my house, and it's not negative. It's not. It's po- It's positive, and it's not negative. And what happens? It lets me know it's there once in a while. Like it'll move something. And you know, first time I was kind of like, all right, I got something in the house. I got an attachment. It came home with me. You know, it, I've had it happen before. And uh, but the thing is, is especially the way Mandy does things. She's 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 straight energy worker. She's a psychic medium, but she's an energy worker as well. But she's always able to find. Because she does astral projection too, mm-hmm. so she's always able to find some small trace of energy which she can follow it back and you know determine what it is. And for the first few times I worked with her, I've, I was kind of hesitant. I was kind of suspicious. I'm very suspicious about many psychic mediums I work with, even though I've worked with plenty. Um, you know, I've worked with, I've worked with many that also were frauds, right. and of course charged for their services, which I disagree with. Um, but so you know what she how she does it is you know she traces that you know mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm at a client's house i'm not there for an hour or two hours i'm there for eight nine hours mm-hmm. so you know i'll go through that the transition period of morning to dark um just uh you know make sure i'm not leaving this person and you know any harm when i leave you know when i you know i could do a cleansing and this thing you know was there the whole time and it, we weren't successful and when i leave you know all haywire haywire crap flying happens um so usually i when i stay i stay for a while Mm -hmm. and i have you know i'm not always successful but it's not because i didn't do my job correctly it's just because and i'm not passing this on to the client that they didn't listen to me Mm -hmm. some people that we generally deal with want to hear that they have a demonic entity that they have of course you're going to come across those people and and you can't help those kind of people until they waken up and say Oh, I really don't have a demonic entity. Like, I have a case that's coming up. Um, and, you know, I've already went to this person's house. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we kind of, you know, when, when you have an attachment, that attachment always leaves a trace on you. Uh, and, you know, that pretty much we didn't read an attachment. We read that there was some negative residual and negative intelligent energy mm-hmm. there. But, you know, this person keeps to believe that he has an attachment. So at this point in time, you know, I'm going to give him what he wants. I'm going to do a deliverance on him, which is not going to be harmful to him because it's pretty much saying, all right, I'm, I'm telling you you don't have attachment, but I'll give you what you want. And you know what? It will put his mind at ease, and hopefully it will rest him. Well, I mean, I've said the same thing to you, Stephanie, with your abilities sometimes that, you know, Sometimes you have to take off the hat of being a demonologist or being a, a psychic medium and, and saying just for one second, all right, I just have to listen to this person and just give them a few minutes of my time right. and, and give them kind of what they need just to help them progress to the next mm-hmm. step. It doesn't mean that you're playing into something that's wrong. It just means that you're giving them an alternative right. way of overcoming that. Um, I do want to take – we have a caller on the line, and uh, and I don't want to make him wait too long, but I also know who it is, so I know he doesn't mind waiting for that's a couple of questions. It is. <laughs> so um, I just want to take two steps back and then take one step back. You had mentioned that you have worked over 400 cases, 400 and cases. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you – being 10 years into this and working that number of cases, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that not every one of those cases means that you went and spent eight or nine hours there, that some of them, no. it's just listening to them, consulting with them, and yeah. kind of giving them an action plan. Definitely. Um, you know, there's some cases that, you know, I could go in a house, especially with a psychic medium, you know, get that double action, mm-hmm. you know, throw the kitchen sink at it, kind of, you know, have a non-person with the third eye or the ability of, you know, sense and feeling or, you know, touching um, or emotion. And, uh, you know, sometimes 
know right away that there's not the paranormal there, so we just consult, you know, we give them guidelines. So some some of those cases, you know, are an hour or two, but with the severe cases, and like I, as I said, some of them are eight, nine hours, but some of them are also, you know, I've gotten back a few times. You know, I did a case in Texas um, where I went back twice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure some of them, too, are like, you know, a, a phone call and you can pretty much say, yeah, uh, it really depends. You know, I, we go through a rigorous, uh, especially the Dominion ministry. We we are a little, uh, LLC. So we kind of go through the steps. We do have case files. If you go on our website, you'll actually see thermometer. You'll see mm-hmm. the moon phases. We all have that. Our case files that we fill out, we actually look at all the scientific information to see if there's any aspect of why it's influencing certain things. Um, so we do ask those questions. Our questionnaire form, um, sometimes we send out email. We do in person, depending on the, the distance, uh, is over 10 different pages. We ask them, you know, medication, you know, just in case that the medication is not just giving them, you know, hallucinations. Sure. So we're, we get very in-depth. And, of course, you know, the Dominion Ministry also has a mental health specialist that works with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I ever feel the need that, you know, I need to bring him on, um, that's that's Mr. Buddy Thayer of Ocean, uh, Ocean State Paranormal. Yeah, yeah, uh, but we bring Buddy on cases, uh, and I've done it before, especially with, you know, a client that had, you know, that was a very... Uh, older woman that had dementia or a slight stages to dementia or Alzheimer's and you know we were able to determine that that was a lot of the situations what was going on and then one other quick question and you had mentioned before that you do deliverances not exorcisms and you said you know you talked about the difference between the procedures that are involved in yes. both but is the thing that's happening to the person the same Yes and no. Um, exorcism. Uh, I've had deliverances where you know the entity did you know come through. If you if you definitely de- definitely believe in that, uh, I've done deliverances on possessed individuals before, and uh, I say that lately because you know a lot of people joke about possession, but you know I've seen what I've seen, um, and uh, the deliverances can act the same in accordance where you know when you sever that attachment to the individual. Um, I've had you know a table thrown at me, uh, and and all true truthfulness. So, you know, some of the similarities could be the same, but the enacting of what you're doing is not the same. You know, at, actually, at the end of an exorcism, th- there is a deliverance ritual. So, but is, is, is it a case of, you know, is one necessary because something has progressed to a certain point? Like, is an exorcism something that is, you know, eventually that attachment becomes possession, or is uh, it all just kind of just getting a person in their grasp. Well, I feel like a deliverance can uh, work on a possessed individual. I've done it. I've worked with possessed individuals, and a deliverance has uh, worked accordingly because um, it, ha- it severs that attachment. Like I said, the, the exorcism is more to you know call the entity out to get its name, so it's banished. Um, usually... Uh, especially with you know deliverance and exorcism, sometimes you, depending on the you know the quality of the case that you're dealing with and the entity, um, you have to go back a few times. Um, I, like I said, I don't participate in our exorcisms as a sole individual. Like if, if I ever work with a clergy person as act as an assistant to exorcism, I would, but not as a sole individual. Um, I would not enact one because, like I said, I do feel like they're highly dangerous because of the ritual. Uh, you know, the pre-1999 and post-1999 rituals, they're both highly dangerous um, for somebody that, you know, doesn't have that backing to her church. You know, somebody somebody gets truly hurt, truly injured, or, you know, a fatality by any chance, you know, as a sole individual who owns LLC, that's, you know, I don't have that much protection compared to the Roman Catholic Church. Great. So, 
just real quick before poor Ross tell him I say sorry. Um, he can hear you. I know. Um, <laughs> when you said Catholic Church does the whole exorcism yes. in order to banish yes. the demon, mm-hmm. where does it go after a deliverance? Who knows? Nobody. Okay, so it's it could potentially go next door to that family. Well, from what from a good standpoint and what I have seen, you know, you could say a demon goes back to hell or a demon mm-hmm. goes back to whichever. Yeah, whatever you believe in. Uh, whatever you believe in. Um, a deliverance usually, uh, you know, even a house cleansing. What happens? And I, I've had documentation of this, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, a video evidence of this. Um, once I cleanse a house and I do a deliverance and I leave, you know, they, they see shadows walking outside, like out the uh, on the perimeter because, you know, it's not allowed back into that house, at, that aspect, because if you believe in the positive outweighing the negative mm-hmm. uh, in that aspect and the, the homeowners at that time being positive, you know, they call me and say, you know, I, I'm seeing this outside. I'm like, honestly, just stay strong. It's your house. Hold down the fort. You know, it can't come in unless you let it back in. Um, so, you know, sometimes you sever that connection. They, 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 they're kind of like, you know, they're like a hunter, um, you know, going for its prey. They will wait until your weakest moment. You know, they, you like for the longest time, like I said, I've done a case and three years later it came back. It will wait. Mm-hmm. It will wait. And even though you don't think it's there anymore, it will wait to come so back. So technically it's still attached. It'll still look for you. It was not necessarily in that aspect. Like, um, it's... It will go for the kill once it feels the kill. You know, I'm not I'm not saying the entity will necessarily kill the person, mm-hmm. but once right. that person starts wavering on their guidelines and being positive, and you know, starts going to the way that they used to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, during the attachments or pre-attachment, why they got the attachment, you know, it could necessarily come back. It's oh. the it's the crazy ex-boyfriend waiting for you to just be single again. Yeah, right. you yeah. know, it's like that. It's and honestly eventually true. you'll be single and then you'll be all mine. Uh, so <laughs> the just before we get to Ross's question, I just want to bring up this text we received. Uh, this person says long wave is below AM. AM equals five hundred to fifteen hundred kilohertz. FM equals eighty nine to one hundred nine megahertz, and short wave equals above AM to ten thousand kilohertz. So hopefully that answers our question a little bit. All I know is my brain hurts. So uh, we will uh, now let Ross have the final word. Uh, <laughs> good evening, Ross. Sorry for making you wait on hold for so long, but thank I you know, for being I'm patient. Used to waiting on anything. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, you brought up earlier, I want to see Moniz's uh, stone tablets. He, he's got them. The, the problem is he never has them fully charged. Well, if I have to date myself, I could definitely remember faxing Art Bell on facsimile paper. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely, uh, yeah, I won't say anything more. Did, did he ever read any of them on air? Will we hear them on Somewhere in Time? I don't think he did. Okay. I don't think he did, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, the great Art Bell. So, um, I don't really even remember. Well, you're going to have to excuse me. I'm on a certain energy drink tonight, which is very effective. Which one's that? Um, <laughs> well, do I get to plug anything? You can. But I can say it works. <laughs> I wonder where you got it from. I don't know. You, you well, would have been only handed to me. You would have been screwed if you said it was a Red Bull. You were I know, a big but setup there. I just gave it to him last night. I don't touch Red Bull. Do you like it? It was probably the best energy drink I've ever had. I didn't pay him to say that either. And they're available at Legend Trips. I know. They're available at Legend Trips. Very nice. So I've had a little bit of perspective, and I've definitely, I have gone on a case or two with James, and I can definitely see the 
situation with him dealing with a client that has had thought they've had something due to somebody who thought that they knew what they were talking about and just definitely the person didn't really want to conform to what they thought was in their house versus trying to do the follow-up and it certainly has made a, a, an effect on the person and how they dealt with their situation in the house so just like in certain situations if you give the person a plan to follow and they don't follow it and they don't do the work they kind of fall on themselves for not doing what they needed to do yeah and then it falls on other people to come in and clean up the mess yeah that was yeah that can be part of it but at the same time you know i feel as though that there's certain situations where people create their own sort their own psychokinetic energy and their own energy in certain places. But I've also feel like I've had experiences over the years, especially with certain places and certain people that, you know, in, in the demonology side of everything, sometimes things are very black and white and sometimes they're gray. You know, you have certain belief systems that are, are very black and white and there's some things that are shades of gray. I feel like when it comes to, you know, a demonic oppression, it's very black and white. And if there's a lot of signs there, it's there. You know, if if the person has abuse, if the person is abusing drugs, if the person has PTSD and mental health issues, it definitely can be a lot of red flags. But I feel like there's there's things that can happen that just people don't see because they try to see things in black and white. And sometimes in this field, we need to see things in shades of gray. Absolutely. I'm, right. te I'm teaching them well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, and I hate to cut you off here, Ross, but we're just about out of time, but thank you for calling yeah. in. He's I like, I'm used to it. He's, he's, like, I, he's like, I'm used to it. They always wait till the end to take my call. No, that's okay. Okay. Have a good night. I'll see you tomorrow, Ross. I'll shut off my rotary dial cell phone now. <laughs> Have another at work, too, man. Yes, it does. Stay, stay, oh, up, stay up all night. <laughs> no, hopefully not. All right. No. Have a good all one. Right. Have a good night, guys. Take care. You too. Bye. And we are just about out of time, but James, let everybody again know about your website and how they can reach out to you. You can go to www.thedominionministry.org, or you can go to jamesnito.com, which will actually redirect you to the Dominion Ministry website. So uh, I'm also on Facebook, the, the Dominion Ministry LLC, or you can look me up at James Anito, A-N-N-I-T-T-O. All right, and we, like I said, we are just about out of time, but we'll be back next week for another episode of Spooky South Coast. And uh, we're actually coming up on the time of year where everybody's going to be all different places all the time. Uh, but we're going to try and have fresh new shows for you as much as possible. Also, baseball season is coming up. The station will be carrying the Red Sox again, so you know how that goes, everybody. There's, there'll be some nights where we'll be here waiting for the Red Sox to wrap things up. Uh, but that's all right. We will uh, try and do as many shows as we can live, and if we can't, we'll try and do some pre-recorded for you as well. That's always a, a great opportunity for us to reach out to some people who aren't available on Saturday nights. So you never know who we could pull up for guests for that as well. So just stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com. That's where you can find out all the information about the show each week. Follow us on Twitter, at SpookySC. Email us anytime, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com. So until next week, when we return with another show, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>